This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and today I have a very special guest on that I reached out to and asked if she wanted to talk with us. And Maria, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Stark. I am a musician and composer and educator living in California, and I'm so excited to be here. I'm also a member of Starling Arrow, and we're connecting today because we just released our new album, Cradle. And yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. One of the cool things that I found in an interview with you was from an NPR interview, I believe. And you were talking about the kind of music you love. And you made a very clear designation that this isn't really new age for you. That it's more mystical folk pop, which I've told you I just love that. And the reason I love it so much is is how you explained it. And it was that it allows more for the dark side. And um, what that means to me is a deeper connection with Earth herself, because there is a dark side to all of her processes and all of her beings. And that seems more nuanced to me, more doable. So did you want to talk about that? Yeah, I love this question. And um a big part of my work in the world is restoring the feminine mysteries and holding sacred at the center of my own creative work is cyclical wisdom, Is are the phases of the womb, the phases of the moon, the new sprouting, the full blooming of the radiant nectar goddess, the seasons of thrashing and falling apart and the seasons of death, decay, rest, silence, dreaming, and how that shows up for me as a woman and how it shows up for everyone I know through through seasons and through cycles of the moon and how there's these seemingly interlocking cycles of time that affect creation and affect form. And so as a student of the wild animate forces and my own relationship with creativity and the muse, those cycles really influence me and tending to those cycles within myself and others is a big passion. And so, I mean, also, I believe that my relationship with music is really exploring the great unknown, the great collective unconscious realm and seeing if a doorway will open up for some kind of flow state to emerge that some some access from the those other worlds will come forward in song and and then I get to learn about those parts of myself well the music that I had been listening to in the last year I'm, I'm older I'm 57 and I'm really going through this whole cronehood I like to call it hag you know, I'm owning my aging and, and sinking into it because I believe it's also, you know, it's like the dark side, um, but it's a beautiful place to to explore who I really am. And all in this time that I've been doing that, I was listening to the music of Rising Appalachia. And somewhere in that passageway, I saw Starling Arrow pop up. <laughs> 
And I thought, what is this? Because, you know, there was a collaboration going on here. And that music changed my life. Um, The connection that that music is able to make with someone who lives way down here in Alabama. It was, it was visceral for me. I could feel the chill bumps coming over me. Can you speak to that collaboration? Can you tell us how that happened? I'd love to, you know, we're talking about times of darkness, right? Well, we were all started to gather at the very beginning of lockdown in 2020 as a way to process what was happening at that time because the music industry was shutting down. No one knew what the hell was going on in the realm. And so myself, Elenario, Tina Malia, and Leah and Chloe of Rising Appalachia, we all coalesced together and started to meet weekly for a songwriting kind of just like mastermind, like play group for ourselves. We called it our songwriting muse class. Really, it was a, it was a council that we had formed to be with our own existential drama and healing and exploration of who we were as artists, what it meant to be alive in a time of, of great mystery and unknown. And then we started conjuring these songs without any intention of recording them or performing them. We were really just exploring the edges of our own songwriting capacities and our, and playing with new ways of songwriting and learning from each other. And then after about a year or so of meeting every week and writing a new song, um, we decided we had a really beautiful body of work and we we selected a few songs that each of us had written to create this recording and document our time together. And that's where these recordings came from. It came from us just really being together, thinking about creativity, thinking about the world and pouring all of that into this art. I love that that came out of such a dark place. I know that that maybe sounds disrespectful to everything we all went through at that time, but that there was any beauty at all, you know, that kind of connectivity coming out. My, um, my, of course, the album Cradle, which released, I believe, was it February, Maria? That's right, February. Uh-huh. Has one of my very favorite songs of all time. And as a witch and a goddess worshiper, Fly Away, I cannot thank you all enough <laughs> for that song. What was the inspiration for that? Because I love the lyrics. They're just almost ritualistic. Thank you. Yeah, Fly Away is a song that I composed. And we were in, it was August of 2020. And we'd spent all summer kind of writing songs about like doing all of this deep processing of how intense everything was and I don't know if you remember being online at that time but it was just there was so much wave after wave of information and like it was just such a strange divisive realm and I remember Leah she's like we gotta let can we write something less intense like let's write a song about bones like simple something about bones from like the times before the internet so she seeded the concept and the topic And then I went and wrote that song about, you know, inspired by Bones and thinking about times before internet. And it came forward as a a ritual dance piece to do kind of in a coven of, uh, you you know, you say the goddess worshippers and just like devotees of, I all say devotees of awe and magic. And it's a song for 
yeah, coming together and there is an honoring of the death and honoring of the cycle of the potency of the magic that can come from the flame. I like to see it as like the bones have all of this carvings, like runes that get carved from the bones and then tossed into the center and then the dance that can come from reflecting on what has died and then calling in the beauty of the new energies from the constellations. And there's a a powerful dance that happens at the end of the song that is a conjuring song. It's It's a trance step. So it's meant to be sung over and over and over in a circle while doing the dance as a way to get into this state of calling in medicine from the constellations, putting it into dance, letting go of the past, seeing what wisdom can be gathered from reflecting on what has gone and then bringing that into the fabric of the tapestry of what is being born. And and that's exactly sort of the theme of what we've been talking about, like from the dark can come such birth. Um, and that's just, it's just critical to me that, you know, in witchcraft, we hear a lot about, you know, love and light, love and light. <laughs> And at some point, I feel that it can get so, um, I don't want to say binary, but uh, almost divisive, because we all have an ebb and flow of our lives and our emotions and the stages we're in, as does, you know, our earth, where we go into the dark in winter. And yes, there's a lot of death, but then there's that rebirth. And that's what this song means to me. I have the lyrics pulled up here. Do you want to, do you feel comfortable just telling everyone the, what is it, the chorus, the cast your bones in the circle? Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to read them or would you like me to share them? I think I'd rather you. <laughs> sure. Um, so the, the lyrics of this piece at the end of the song that is sung over and over, it goes, cast your bones in the circle, step to the left, arm stretched towards constellations rain down the memories weaving the threads of a tapestry held the shape of the prophecy. Cast your bones in the circle, step to the left arm stretched towards constellations rain down with the memories weaving the threads to her tapestry held the shape of the prophecy. Okay, and again, I have chills. <laughs> I've always found uh, the idea of the muse and the weaving um, to be extraordinarily magical. I have a spider. I don't know if you'd call it an issue, a love of them and their webs. And for me, this is that whole idea of weaving and making those connections with the, as you said, the constellations. But it's such a bony, bloody beat. I think that's where that connection maybe comes from is that beat. Maria, I've always thought that there is a sacred beat to the earth. There's a silly movie, but I don't know if it's silly. I loved it, but it was called Begin Again, and it had Karen Knightley in it. And there was this one scene, and he, the one of the main actors, was watching her just sing a cappella, and all of the instruments behind her began to pick up and play, you know, very imaginatively, very fantastical. And that's what I hear when I'm out in the woods. You know, I hear the yesterday, for instance, the wind is just ripping through Alabama and I le- leaned up and I looked and the way the trees were leaning back and forth, it sounded like an ocean, the wind did. 
And then all of a sudden I could hear all the other things and it was a beautiful beat and a sound and a song. Do you, do you think that music can do that? can make that drive that connectivity for us? Well, I love what you're describing. I haven't seen the movie that you share that you spoke about, but I have had these experiences that you described as being outside in the wild and drifting into this other place where you're, you know, hearing this undulating pulse of of the earth and the song that's happening. You know, I'm a big fan of the idea and the experience. I've had many lived experiences of tuning into a greater song that's alive in the wild. I'm a big kind of lover of the study of sound healing and of, I have a background in music therapy and really like looking at the world through the lens of frequency, vibration, um, inner interlocking patterns of sound and how that has an impact on space and on mind and on mood. And I really do believe that music has the power to connect, you know, studying the history of music through, again, the lens of, of cultural development and seeing music as all over the world as a major part of ritual, rites of passage, moments where the community is being brought together to celebrate, to mourn, to honor the next phase of life, of the season. There's songs for all of it. And I think that humans have such a powerful response to music. Um, Our brains are actually wired to be able to comprehend music. Like if we think about the map of our neurology, there's different aspects of the brain that are connected to, say, like empathy or memory or gross motor skills or fine motor skills. Like this is all happening in kind of these different focused locations of the brain. But when music is happening, when we're participating actively in music, either through playing an instrument or active listening or um, dancing, our entire neurology is online. And for me, that is a signal to me that humans were are wired for music. We're wired for hearing music. We're wired for participating in it. And so by that process and it it makes sense that humans connect through music and then my a big part of my magical work has been operating through music as a bridge to form connections with others through community as when I worked as a music therapist that was the primary objective especially working in populations with people who are losing their memory or children with autism or um people who are working with a recovery from addiction. We were working with music with all of these different um, populations of people who had different kinds of struggles and music became the method or the bridge to form a connection from the practitioner and the therapist to the person or from the person we were working with and the community of other participants in like, let's say a music circle where we're all drumming or doing a lyric analysis that was a way for relationship and connection to happen. Music was the heartbeat of all of that. And that really brought me to another question I have for you. And, you know, I hear so often from people, I can't sing. You know, I I don't have a good singing voice. I'm not in tune. I can't sing. And that really always hurts me because I don't think it's so 
importance for everyone that may be going through something that needs that kind of healing through song to worry so much about how they are, you know, coming out of this acoustically. It's more about the connection for me. There are people like yourself who sing beautifully. And Starling Arrow has wonderful harmony. It's absolutely breathtaking. But what would you say um, to someone who said, I can't sing? What would you say to them about participating in this anyway? Thank you for that beautiful question. You know, um, I've worked with a lot of people over the years that have this self story. I can't sing. I don't sing in tune. I don't like my voice. My voice is ugly. I don't love, you know. And one of my first questions for people in that situation is when was the earliest you heard that? Like, when was the earliest time that someone told you that? Because for most people who carry that belief, it happened so young that it was such a moment of when a lot of people are just starting to discover their voice and just as little children starting to just say, I have a voice and I can sing and innocently start reaching towards song and melody and are still finding their way to it, that they'll receive some kind of feedback from a teacher, a peer, a family member that says, you're not doing that well. And then the desire to play and reach and the innocence, it just shuts down. And it's not necessarily true that they're tone deaf or they can't sing in tune. It's, it's that in the moments where they were just starting to learn to develop that competency that someone told them they were doing it wrong. And then it was too scary after that to try again. And so because people who are actually tone deaf like that does happen occasionally, but the percentage of, of people who are clinically tone deaf is very small. It's very, it's a tiny, tiny percentage um, compared with the amount of people who just have a belief or had a, a, an imprint or a moment in their upbringing where they had a, a negative experience that, that lingered. And so what I really encourage people to do who want to transform that or move beyond it or or build a new kind of idea or relationship with their voice is to really bring people into the power of the voice as medicine for the body and for the self. The voice is one of the most powerful tools that we have for nervous system regulation, for trauma recovery, for healing and for relaxation, for decreasing anxiety, for creating homeostasis in moments of, of stress. The voice, the way that our neurology responds to the voice, the way that our um, entire nervous system responds to our own voice, communicate like singing through our own nerves to create calm. It's one of the most powerful medicines. I like to call it an original medicine that we have that all of us carry. And so I love to share that with people and then encourage people to just start slowly to just really gentle humming internally, humming along the melodies that they love, humming along to their own to like going outside with the wind and the song that's blowing the trees and just to start humming gently and, and follow follow that. See if the humming opens up to a vowel sound that then opens up to a louder vowel sound and 
and just let the voice come out gently and slowly like a like you would a paintbrush like you would like a little child taking the paint into the color blue and drawing a line on a page you know what how to start slowly using the voice's brush strokes to just allow the experience to happen and for a lot of people if it's a new experience they might have emotions come up or they might feel like an immense grief or overwhelm or anger and that's okay that's actually a really natural response to beginning um opening the voice that those emotions that it's so powerful because the voice can really help to again vibrate the the system in a way that allows trapped emotions to spontaneously release and for a lot of people that can be a very like a threshold experience it can bring up some trepidation or fear and that's really normal so i encourage people to hold themselves in that with a lot of curiosity and compassion and to go slow and then start just singing with if you can find a circle nearby of circle songs and just start singing those circle songs just get get some words into your voice and let it let it move you let it become the medicine okay i love this idea of it as medicine and i completely agree um as you were talking i thought about all the times that i was heartbroken or i was casting a spell that i needed to do to bring healing or to to become more willing to go into the next stage of my life and it all happened in the shower <laughs> it always did uh, singing in the shower but then I also remember holding my first grandbaby and just humming and letting her feel that vibration come out of my chest when she was sick or where she was tired but recently one of my rescue dogs Jax um, has been diagnosed with cancer and it's been heartbreaking for us he he's only eight and uh, they tried everything but you know at some point you have to kind of look at the writing on the wall well I'm a witch <laughs> which just means that I believe in manifesting change and being very connected to the earth and um, I started putting my hand on him you know as he was falling asleep and he was struggling and I just sang to him whatever came to my mind you know whatever popped up it could be uh, Prince, you know, it could be an old folk song from my childhood, but I just sang to him and we took him back to the vet and he had lost 12 pounds. He had suddenly gained back eight of those within like four days. And this was two months ago. They gave him two weeks. He's alive. He's shaking his tail and I sing to him every night. So I think all living beings, plants, children, animals, all, I think, innately understand this medicine, if that makes any sense to you. It kind of makes it very sacred, doesn't it, Maria? I do love that. I love hearing this precious story, singing to your papa and, and seeing a return of health. And I do believe that, yeah, all, all sentient creatures respond to vibration and frequency and tone and intent. And I think that that is one of the most powerful magics that we have is we have these tones and, and music, again, is one of those processes when we're singing that we're like in our body, we're in congruence where our words and our sound and our feeling are all connected. 
with this intent. And I think that that can be a really powerful magic and, and, a, and an incredibly healing self for recovery or for spiritual healing. It's so beautiful. Well, on your website, on the Starling Arrow website, actually, to be very specific, there is a line about music as sanctuary. And I can't imagine anyone not being allowed that sanctuary. So I also would encourage people to at least uh, let it go, let it happen. You know, we're not all going to be Christina Aguilera, right? But we all have the inherent right to have that sanctuary. So that's a thought I had. Um, I do have another question for you. So Starling Arrow, I just find it, I mean, you have music on your own that's beautiful. Um, Rise in Appalachia, listen to him forever. I'm Southern. They were called Rising Appalachia. I was in. <laughs> but the new collaboration, is that something that might continue? Or can you speak for the whole group on that? Is there something else that you would all like to see happen? Just thank you. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting with this collective because we never intended to record or be a band or perform like all of this was so far not part of our origin things and so now that we have this body of work and we've named ourselves and we are starting to book a few shows which will happen this year um and there are whispers of other things to come uh, but none of that has formulated yet and i i myself know that we're just kind of listening and riding the wave and enjoying the connection and the friendship and the camaraderie at this point. And we'll just see where that continues to guide us. We're kind of listening with each other and staying connected. But I know that we are all really grateful and kind of found this collective to be such a gift and something that we're all kind of like amazed that's even happening. <laughs> and so I think we're all just tending to that with a lot of, yeah, joy, spaciousness, curiosity, excitement. There's a lot of delight in the room. And um, yeah, the possibilities for what's to come are still open. And, you know, we're all, again, like I said, we're all just kind of listening and we'll see uh, if we get to have, I mean, I think that it was so, it's such a unique time to, to be writing songs every week during lockdown. It, time, times have changed and our lives have picked back up. And so finding the next nest that we can make for creative, devoted dedication, I think we'll just be continuing to, yeah, locate that time together. But for now, we're just stoked with how the reception is to the album, and we're excited to play some shows this year. Well, I kind of see it as an organic thing that you, the story feels very organic. So I, I suppose it will continue to follow that route. And I think it's also proof positive that women can work together <laughs> and beautifully so. Would you mind telling really quickly the way you came up with the name Starling Arrow? You all? Yeah, of course. Well, um, this project, again, we when we started to get ready for releasing, we had already recorded the project. We'd already filmed our music videos. We still didn't have a name. We didn't think we needed one. We were we thought we were just gonna release it as like a collaboration of four or five artist names. And then when we went logistically into some of the deeper weeds, <laughs> we were like, oh, it will benefit us and simplify things to create a project name. And so 
probably like <laughs> a month before the first single came out or two months we're like okay ladies we gotta come up with a name and I think we came up with a name very similarly to the way we were we had created song ideas we just threw out a bunch of ideas and saw what stuck and so we had this whatsapp thread going for maybe a week and a half and we're just all tossing in names and ideas and we we were orbiting a couple of names and ideas for a while and I think star the word starling came out I mean it had been seeded maybe many months before when we first were like should we come up with a band name and I think Chloe was like we could just be called the starlings or something and we all kind of were like nah whatever we didn't think we were gonna do a name and then Tina remembered like oh remember when <laughs> Chloe put this out she like found she like went back eight months into the thread and be like see she said starling we researched starlings we liked them and then we we were thinking about other words that could go with that and I think one of the ladies was like archer arrow something and so those two words were in the mix and were two of maybe 10 words we were tossing around and ultimately we we circled around starling arrow because we liked the way it, it sounded we liked the way it looked on our the cover of our album we just like wrote wrote all the the variations of um, the few options that we had and we all liked that one the best and so it was very organic and then we came to mean new things to us afterwards but it wasn't like an immediate knowing of what our crew name was going to be it was a very like it was our first song that we co-created kind of the thing we're like or we were like okay we're actually writing something together that is meant to contain the magic that we've done, been in together and that's what came and we love it well and I think there's something on the website about the arrow of the muse and I do believe that this music goes right to your heart and really opens up you know that place where we need to be open to the sound of the universe I think it's just gorgeous but I also wanted to ask you out of everything on the album if we took away the the one that we've already spoken about, Fly Away, which one do you think is the one that really represents the group as a whole? I mean, they all do, but what is your favorite one? My gosh, it's really hard to pick a favorite song on this album. I, I've had moments with so many of the songs that really like felt for me like I had this deeply emotional connection and I could probably speak to an emotional connection I have to each of the songs based on the feeling that it gives me about our relationship. And just because I know everyone's creative process and story to how they got to the song. Um, and so I'll speak to one of the tracks that I love, which is actually the final track, the hum track. It's called Midnight Hum. And at the end of every recording night, we would throw up the microphones and we would just have a dark room and we would sing an organic, spontaneous improv hum track. And we did that every night of recording just to see what we would capture. And then we loved Midnight Hum the most of the ones that we caught. And that track for me is so special because it really holds the energy of what it was like to be together in the middle of the night in the Appalachian Mountains in in the fall and being in this 
deep listening. And I think that there's something about the starling bird and how they do these incredible murmuration patterns where you can't tell who's leading and you don't know how they're following and they're making these shapes and it's just this organic undulating murmuring occurrence. It's a phenomenon. And I feel like that song specifically holds that because we no one was leading necessarily we were all following this invisible center of listening and attuning to each other and I think that that is really unique and special for me is a very unique experience with this collective of women and artists to have that capacity to listen deeply to each other and just suddenly find ourselves in these chords and everyone's going to their own part and none of it's planned and it's just happening and so I love that so I'm gonna yeah speak to that song Midnight Hum. Well I'm gonna have to re-listen to it now because it was always magical to me but now I think it has more magic to it. Before we go though let me ask you Maria this has been wonderful I'm so honored but I also want to ask you is there anything going on for you what are the next steps for you? Do you have any little brainchild? Uh, well, I wouldn't even call it that. Something magical building for you that you're going to be doing soon? Thank you so much for the question. I am currently um, releasing singles off my next album. I have an album coming up in the fall or at the end of the summer called Weightless. And I have released two singles from it. I have another one coming up this month. And so I'm in a slow unfoldment of a, of a personal body of work that I made um, also during lockdown. And some of the songs that I wrote, even in the group setting with Starling Arrow, made it onto this record. And so that's my big joy right now is the unfolding of this new record and getting ready to start sharing music live on stage with some of my collaborators from that album. I have my cello player, Barry Phillips, my core player, Daniel Berkman. Just getting ready to share this other collection of tunes. There's a particular song I'm really crazy about. I I think it's called Keep the Light On. I, I'm not sure if that is the right title. That's the song. Yeah, that was the first release from the upcoming album, Keep the Light On. I love that song, too. It's absolutely mystical, and the video is just fantastic. So I encourage anybody listening to go look that up. And I'm going to throw all the links down in the podcast for people to be able to go to. But I cannot, I really cannot thank you enough. Your music has meant so much to me. And through, I, you know, I just followed the breadcrumbs from Rising Appalachia to Starling Arrow and now to you, Maria. And I, I feel like my whole world is open up musically. And I play this music while I'm growing my tomatoes and feeding my chickens and petting my rabbits and it's really brought my life a lot of joy so thank you for all the music thank you so much well thank you so much Seba for your kindness and for your wonderful questions it's been lovely to sit with you today and hear about your dog and share about the love of the wild dark and the and magic and just hear about your time of life share in the delight of all of these things around music and connection and the voice thank you so much for having me you are more than welcome it was my honor everyone thank you for listening today please go look up starling arrow and also maria her work is fantastic blessed be y'all i'll talk to y'all next week y'all have been listening to the southern fried witch podcast
Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.